Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are discussing part two of Harry Potter and the Order. Nope. Harry <laughs> Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Um, oh, God. Movie. So Until we've been podcasting up. for two hours at this point. <laughs> yeah, two hours, and we're both a little overtired. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, part two of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince movie, we're picking up after the atrocity of the attack on the burrow scene, and we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to plow straight through. (laughs) Our patron shout-out for the episode is Alex, one of our very first supporters. Yeah, shout-out to Alex. Shout-out to Alex. Um, Thanks for sticking by us. Yeah. So, are we just ready to dive back in? Yeah, I guess so. So, like, Audrey Audrey already... Sorry, that was a hard transition for me. (laughs) Like, Audrey already said, we ended last episode with the burning of the burrow. And if you haven't already listened to part one, I would recommend listening to that before you jump into part two. So, the movie then, post-Christmas break, picks up with a Harry Dumbledore lesson Mm -hmm. where we see the fractured, tampered with, slughorn memory mm-hmm. of him talking to tom riddle about the unnamed in this scene i believe horcruxes yeah they they in the movie slughorn has tampered with the has tampered with the memory such that you cannot even hear the word horcrux yeah it's like mumbled out or something right yes. it's like rah, rah, rah. whereas like in the book you hear Horcrux and it's just his reaction to it that's different um so that that's like kind of a key difference because it implies that like at this point if if the movies were to be true it implies at this point that like Dumbledore of course had like suspected Horcruxes but doesn't have a confirmation of Horcruxes whereas in the book like he knows it's Horcruxes um and he has confirmation of it but he just hasn't um he doesn't know how many yeah yeah um, the couple things about the, or I guess that was one, the, one of the things I had about the fake memory. Also just in the, this memory, um, both in the fake and the real one, the like green lighting is really weird to me. And I can't tell if it's supposed to be like the dreamlike state of the memory or just like Slytherin. Like I don't, to make it spooky, it just has always yeah. really bothered me because it makes it feel not real. Yeah, and the scene is a little bit different in the movie than it is in the book, because I believe in the book it opens up at, like, a slug club meeting. Um, It very much, like, parallels Harry earlier, how he, like, stayed after Mm -hmm. to, like, talk to Slughorn, because, like, Tom Riddle does the exact same thing. Like, he stays after. Yeah. Um, And, like, um, the whole point of Slughorn being hired is revealed in this scene, like, post the memory Dumbledore is, like, explaining to Harry. Yeah. But the, like, why the memory is so important is still, like, fairly cryptic at this point, which I feel like it's not in the book. Like, I feel like Harry, like, more is explained to Harry at this point. Yeah. In the book, I feel like, because you get a little bit more of, like, hearing Horcrux, um... I think after that memory, 
I don't know that Dumbledore explains what a horcrux is. I think he's like, it's yeah. very late. Like, we'll talk about that later. Because yeah. then Hermione goes on this whole, like, rabbit hole trying to figure like, out can't, what a And can't is. find it anywhere in the library. Right. But I think Dumbledore stresses more, like, how important this memory is and, like, why they need it. He, like, mm-hmm. I think he might say something about, like, how far Riddle was, really like, willing to go. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So then we see, like, a quick little, like, scene of Harry showing up to, like, a potions class. Um, like, after a potions class has ended to talk to Slughorn. And they show this girl, like, take a worm off of the table. A worm like, tail. A worm or no, tail. No, it's a, a sorry. A rat tail. No, it's a rat tail, not a worm. Like, why? What is going on with this girl? Like, is she okay? <laughs> well... Uh, Slughorn's like Lucy or whatever her name is like don't forget your rat tail and she's just like yeah and grabs it and like puts it in her pocket (laughs) I don't understand what's going on there is also ingredient (laughs) yeah but like why would she just put it in her pocket (laughs) um so in this lesson that Harry shows up to Slughorn is like teaching the first years or second years whatever they are about bazaars which is like the it's like the little bit of foreshadowing to Harry using it to save Ron. Um, but in the book, it's actually like Harry comes up with it like via the prince um, from a like in a potions class where they have to make an antidote and he doesn't know how to do it. So he just gets a bazaar. Yeah, because I think there's like a line in there that's like if all el- if all else fails, like grab a bazaar or something like that. Yeah, in, in, the, the, book, in the book, in the book, it says, um just shove a resort down their throat yeah yeah yeah. um and then harry just goes a little bit too far in the questioning he's not quite as like a delicate as he needs to be at this moment and slughorn just like shuts down yeah and then because he says the name like tom riddle and then then slughorn's like i'm out yeah and then you see um like a, a quick scene where harry's like trying to show up at his office and he turns him away so it's all kind of like, this is supposed to be like over a bit of time, like Harry's trying to get Slughorn alone again, um, but it's all kind of concentrated here. And then yeah. we have Ron, you you return to Ron in the common room. Um, so in the book, he's supposed to eat the chocolates from Romilda Vane like on his birthday, because mm-hmm. Harry was um, going through his trunk and he kind of like throws them to the side and Ron thinks that they're like his birthday present. Um, so he eats them, but, and, and Harry had been given those, um, by Romilda around Christmas and had never had them. So they're like very expired by March 1st. Um, but this is kind of implied that it's like Valentine's day or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, but Ron just like eats them and they go, they go to Slughorns. Ron's Again, acting drunk. Why are love potions illegal? Like, this is not okay. <laughs> like, I get that. Like, I think they talk about Amortentia being, like, the most powerful love potion. Yeah. So we are to presume that, like, the love potion that Ramilda Vane has is probably not Amortentia unless she, like... Because she's not even supposed to be in that potions class. Never mind. Well, it's it's a Weasley's product. Yeah, yeah. So it's the Weasley's love potion. So if we're to say that, like, Amortentia is the most powerful, like, I wonder what, like, an actual love potion that's not expired is supposed to be like. Mm. Like, is it not supposed to be as strong or, like, maybe wears off after, like, an hour? But an hour is still, like, a long enough time for, like, shit 
to happen. That's a good point. And I wonder if, like, like the Weasleys are, like, mass producing this. Yeah. And they're not making it, They're like, they're selling it, obviously. They're not making it with, like, a specific person in mind. So I wonder if, like, Immortentia or it depends on, like, how you make it. Like, if yeah. Renilda was great at potions and had made that specifically, like, with Harry in mind, like, would it have, like... If she had been the one that made it, like, yeah. would it have been even stronger? Um, like, besides the, like, expiration part. Um, and maybe, yeah, like, wonder... the, the ones that the Weasleys sell, like, when they're not expired are actually pretty harmless. Yeah, I wonder if they're just supposed to be, like, I don't know. Like, maybe just, like, make you, like, a little bit more, like, attracted to that person. Yeah. Not so much, like, I am fully in love with them and would do, ev- ev- like, anything for them. You know, like, that yeah. kind of thing. Maybe it's just more, like, I wonder if also it's more, like, you are just more open to love. Because, like, mm. maybe it's not, like, for a specific person either. You're just more, like, a flirty or something. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Because <laughs> they don't understand how it gets made for a specific person. Yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. You just have to, like, whisper your name into the bottle. <laughs> That's fine. From Elda Bay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Ron is like, I think I love her, Harry. And Harry's like, oh, that's great. Because, like, he thinks that he's talking about Lavender Brown. <laughs> um, but then he's like, Ramilda, Ramilda Fane, do you know her, Harry? Um, Harry's like, <laughs> or, yeah, fuck? he's like, do you what? think? Ron's like, do you think she knows I exist? And Harry's like, well, you've been snogging her. And then, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. man. And so then, like, Harry takes him to Slughorn. And I love the gag of, like, Slughorn not knowing Ron's name. I think that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um... like, Ron acting the way he is is, like, pure comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Slughorn? There's a th- Sorry, go ahead. Slughorn toasting to life right before Ron collapses is, like, really good comedy, too. Yeah. I really like... So, in the book, the whole point that Slughorn, like, opens this, like, mead or rum or whatever it's supposed to be is because, like, after Ron, like, takes the antidote to the love potion, he's, like, really down and, like, really sad. And, like, Slughorn's talking about, like, oh, like you know, post-love potion, like, can really make you feel down and sad about yourself. So, like, let's have this drink to bring everybody's spirits up again and, like, toast to Ron's birthday. Um, And so this is the other moment I was talking about where, like, it kind of cuts from being, like, really funny to really serious and, like, you don't really Mm -hmm. understand that shift because – Ron in the background falls down off of a couch while Harry and Slughorn are talking about and like making the antidote for him. Mm-hmm. And so then later when like Ron collapses after the drink, it's like, oh, is this supposed to be funny? Like, mm. he, you know, like, is he still like having the effects of the love potion? But then it cuts to him like having a seizure and it's yeah. like, oh, this is not funny. Like yeah. I should not be laughing right now. Yeah. And it's like this weird, like, cut from funny and lighthearted to super serious with like very little time in between and like you don't understand when that cut happened kind of thing that's fair yeah um so harry gets the bazaar and then we get the hospital wing scene which i think is (laughs) a great scene um so the hospital wing scene is really funny mostly if you look at the professor like the adults faces in the background this is not supposed to be how Ron and Lavender break up. Um, 
in the book, like, he does say Hermione in his sleep, but I don't think Lavender's there for that. And then they actually break up, like, the night that Jean and Jean, <laughs> Ginny and Dean break up when Harry takes Felix Felicis because he's, like, under the cloak and Lavender sees just Ron and Hermione leaving the boys' dorm together. So, like, Ron kind of strings Lavender on for a while because after he's poisoned like after this like he starts like Hermione starts hanging out with them again like he starts kind of avoiding Lavender and whenever Lavender shows up Hermione just kind of disappears but yeah it's like it's a it's a quicker end to it in the movie yeah um, um it is, it's a funny scene yeah next it's time you watch that scene, scene people pay attention to the adult spaces in the background <laughs> I also love how Ginny just kind of, like, sits there, like, while all this is happening, and she's, like, kind of in camera for most of it as well, because she's, like, right by the bedside of Ron, Um, and, like, Harry's just, like, standing there, and everybody, like, it's just so weird. Like, this is mortifying. Like, if something like this ever happened in front of, like, your teachers or your professors, like, oh my god. And, like, the full range of professors, too. Like, Dumbledore, Slughorn, Snape, and McGonagall, like, I would, that would be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And so then, like, we, I think we get another, like, quick scene of, like, Harry kind of stalking Draco or, like, watching him. Yeah, it's kind of, presumably, like, it's, I think it's when it's leaving the hospital and it's, like, this is presumably, like, when he figures out that Malfoy goes to the room of requirement, um, but, yeah, it's, it's not clear, um, but it's more Harry obsessed with Draco. Yeah, and then we see, I think this is the bird one, so, like, Draco puts the bird in the cabinet, and then it cuts to Borgen and Burke, and we hear the bird chirping, and then it cuts back, and the bird is dead, mm. and it's like, okay, so now we know the purpose of the vanishing cabinet, like, we understand what is happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, the next scene, they're in like, I don't know, like study hall or whatever in the great yeah. hall. Well, I think that... it's breakfast. I think they're eating breakfast. Oh, is right? it breakfast? Okay. Yeah. They just um, have like people from different houses are sitting at different tables, which this I don't know is like a lot. Yeah. And like, I don't, like, I guess it's never really explicitly said that you can't do that in the books, but it's always talked about how like, oh, we can't be seen like, specifically in order of the phoenix they talk about like how like people from other houses really can't be seen like talking yeah. to each other that much it'll be suspicious I mean, yeah that's, so it implies that that doesn't happen very often yeah i don't know if that's like an umbrage specific thing but true um so yeah in this scene like ron's like making it snow because like lavender's like staring at them and he's like kind of out of it and ron's like making it snow and this actually does happen in the book but it's when they're in charms class trying to learn, like, augmenti or whatever. Like, something with water. But I feel like they know mm. augmenti at this point. But I don't know. Um, and Ron makes it snow because Harry is, like, telling him and Hermione all about horcruxes. And Ron's, like, so focused on that that he's, like, not paying attention to things. Um, and I think, like, Harry and Ron get extra homework. <laughs> so with the implication that, like... Ron is, like, messed up, like, mentally kind of at this... Not, like, messed up mentally is not the right phrase, but, like, out of it mentally. Like, he's distressed. 
because of like his love life currently mm-hmm. and he's making it snow. I feel like stuff like this has to happen at Hogwarts all the freaking time. Like these <laughs> young teenagers, their hormones and their emotions are like all over the place. Like I just feel like unintentional magic mm-hmm. has to happen like fairly often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we never really see that in the books or the movies. Yeah, I agree. I also have a note about, like, the Hermione and Ron thing is such a bigger deal in the movie than in the book, from what I remember. Like, them being, like, so obviously a thing, Mm. I, like, don't remember being a huge part of the book. Like, the tension between Hermione and Lavender is for sure a thing in the book. But this whole, like, Hermione's like, you don't remember what happened? And, like... So obviously, like, wanting to date Ron, I don't think is a thing in the book. It's not a thing. It's more like she's just, like, happy to, like, have Ron back in the book. And, like, things go more back to normal. But it's not like her, like, fishing for it as much. Yeah, and then, like, Harry is also, like, aware of this because of his conversations with Hermione. And so, like, when this conversation happens, like, between Ron and Hermione at the table, Mm -hmm. Harry's, like oh, are they about to, like, start dating? Like, you can see, like, his ears perk up. And, I like, I just, that's, like, not really a thing. Yeah. And then Katie's back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So And then, like, Draco makes that really awkward, like, stop in the middle and make it super obvious that, like, he's like, oh, shit, Katie's back. Got a blast. (laughs) Right. And so this leads to uh, the scene in the bathroom, which... This is not really how it goes down. Like, I think Harry's just kind of, like, walking around one night, like, Ron and Hermione or somewhere else, and he, like, sees Draco in the bathroom on the map, and so he, like, goes there. But in this case, he, like, chases him there because he sees the thing with Katie, and Malfoy's also supposed to be, like, talking to Moaning Myrtle when Harry comes, and they fight. Um, In the movie, there's, like, really no like lead up to it Um, yeah i said i just have a note here that like r.i.p to the myrtle and draco friendship because i think that's like honestly kind of cute in the books um and like more of like a a plus on draco's side you know like it gives you more insight to like what he might be going through yeah and then also with this scene like draco's sobbing yeah at the sink and harry's like what a bitch let's fight it's like harry like way to kick a man while he's down like he's just like sobbing at the sink and harry's like want to fight bro it's like yeah harry i mean harry's definitely like in the book as well harry's in the wrong for like starting this but in the movie like even more so he just um, comes in and like starts attacking him while he's crying yeah like, oh my gosh they and they cut out a lot from this scene so they cut out one thing that like is small but they cut out Malfoy like trying to crucio Harry um because like the the spell that he's saying when Harry yells Sectumsempra is crucio um and then they cut like the aftermath with Snape looking through Harry's books and then like giving him detention for the end of the year so he and the Runal Waslib yeah the Runal Waslib so like Harry then misses the rest of Quidditch which guess doesn't matter because they cut Quidditch out from the rest of the movie like they do normally um and like you don't see Harry Harry's supposed to just like run to the room requirement and like kind of just like throw the book there he sees a uh 
dusty old tiara and puts yeah, the book on top in of like a bust. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> wonder what that is. Um, but instead, Harry just faces no punishment when Snape comes. He's just like, okay, he just dips. Like, Snape punishes Harry for everything, and like, he literally just attacked and like probably could have killed Draco, and he just kind of like walks away. And Snape's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, also, like, why wasn't Harry expelled for this? Like, in all of the things that Harry's done, this is the one thing he should have been expelled for, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like, this is bad. Like, he was never going to get expelled because, like, that's not going to yeah. happen. But, yes, this warrants, like, expulsion. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the whole, like... On top of this, he's trying... So, like, there's also this added dynamic of, like, he doesn't know what this spell does that he casts. So, yeah. like, you like he didn't mean to harm Draco that much, but he was also, like, reckless enough to try a spell that he didn't know what it did. Like, I don't yeah. know which is worse, in all honesty, you know? Yeah, and, like, so throughout the book, he's been, like, trying different spells. Like, Levy Corpus, he tries on Ron, and, like... He, I think there's like a toenail growing spell he does on Crabber Goyle in the hallway. And he says something when he reads Sectum Sempra. And he's like, oh, like maybe I'll try that like next time I see Crab in the hallway. And it's like, excuse me, sir. Like, well, and this one says for enemies only. Yeah. Sectum Sempra. It just is ridiculous. Like, he's so reckless. It's so dumb of him. And I think it's just, like, you're supposed to be, like, okay, like, he needs, like, the book, you're supposed to get convinced, like, the book is not good. Like, the whole time Hermione's been, like, skeptical of it. We have the, like, scene where Ginny's, like, you're trusting, like, some, like, strange book, you know, because she has that history. Um, So it's, like, I don't know. I think this is when you're supposed to be, like, okay, this is too far. Yeah. So then, instead of Harry hiding the book in the room of requirement, we get Harry and Ginny. So I have a note here. I have a note here that, like, the relationship and the chemistry between Harry and this freaking book is better than the chemistry between Dan and Bonnie in this scene. (laughs) Like, again, like I said in part one, like, Harry's relationship with the book is, like, kind of weird in the books already. Like, I really don't fully understand what his attachment to this book is. But in the movie, there's so much less explanation for it that he's just, like, so possessive over this book for kind of, like, <laughs> apparently no reason Yeah. in the movies. Um, it's just weird. And then, like, Ginny knowing where to take it is, like, kind of weird. Like, Harry's supposed to not, like, Harry's supposed to find the room of requirement, like you said, when he's, like, kind of running from the bathroom. Yeah. Because Snape is, like, bring me all your textbooks. And he's like, I got to hide mine. I got to take Ron's advanced potion making. And he is just like, he walks past the room requirement just saying like, I need a place to hide my book. I need a place to hide my book. Mm -hmm. That's what his thing is. But in this, like Ginny is like specifically takes him to this place and like makes him close his eyes and like. And they see the vanishing cabinet. Yeah. The vanishing cat. Like Harry goes up to the vanishing cabinet and like, I think touches it. Like, I think the bird is in there. Yeah, like, yeah, because they hear the tweeting and he yeah. opens the door. Yeah. Um, which I thought that bird was dead, but anyways. Um, <laughs> and then Ginny takes the book, like, hides it off screen, comes back, kisses Harry, and then dips. And then Harry's just, like, there with his eyes closed by himself. Like, she also says, like, 
do you want do you want to hide me up here (laughs) it's so weird I just, I like, can't. And, like, Bonnie Wright looks like she's about to cry, like, her facial expression. Yeah. Like, I don't. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, like, they did Harry and Jenny's relationship so dirty. Like, this scene, right, it's terrible. And the actors have zero chemistry at all. But they also, like, cut out all of the scenes where they could potentially have chemistry like all the good scenes where like Ginny's being funny and like Harry's happy and it and like you get these glimpses for like when the weather is nice and like I don't know like Harry's like just kind of like happy and content for for a period of time and it's just so frustrating and also like we have to talk about the fact that their first kiss in the book is like the best first kiss like Ginny wins Ginny like wins them the Quidditch cup and then like they just like heat of the moment of the party kiss like oh it's so frustrating I mean also in this book they're like dating yeah and that never happens in this movie no and like I don't think Ron even knows that they kissed in the room requirement. Like, no. The only mention we have to like their possible relationship is like at the very end, the last scene. Hermione's like, you know, Ron's okay with it. Like you yeah. and Ginny. Like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and also, well, so directly after the room requirement scene, um, Ron's like, "So did you and Ginny do it?" Then? <laughs> <laughs> Harry's like, "What?" And Ron's like, "Hide the book." It's just like, oh my god. Oh, it's just, I really can't handle it. I really can't. Uh, anyway, every time I reread this book, I like rediscover again how, like, because I feel pretty lukewarm on Harry and Ginny's relationship. And then I like read those scenes and I'm like, oh, like I love that. But I think just like the movie doesn't so dirty and like, I don't know. Yeah. It's so brief, but Harry's like so happy. And it's just like, it's such a heartwarming thing when you read it. Yeah. Okay. So the next scene I have here is like Harry taking Felix Felicis because like I think there's a conversation between like him and Ron and somebody like Ron says like you just have to get lucky or something and Harry's like oh look. I'm pretty sure Ron like in the movie that's how it happens but I'm pretty sure in the book Ron actually does suggest like Harry that's it you should take the potion. Yeah. Um, So then they're like all sitting in the empty common room. Yeah why is... There's never anyone in the common There's room in this movie. There's literally never anybody in the common room, which and like, blow, like what? Where are these? Where are all of? Where are all of them then? Like the only time there's people in the common room in this movie is like when Ron and Lavender first kiss, like the yeah. party. Like previous movies, the common room's always like overcrowded. Yeah. So, yeah, they're supposed to take this. He's supposed to take the potion in the dormitory because they're not going to do it in front of everyone in the common room. <laughs> yeah. And then that's what leads to Ron and Lavender breaking up. And then him walking out is what's supposed to lead to Jean. Jean. <laughs> Dinny and Jean. I keep doing that. Um, Ginny and Dean breaking up. Um, yeah. But at this point, like, Harry and Ginny have already kissed, so confusing yeah there's no ending to the dean and jenny relationship the only thing we hear is like oh they must be fighting or something yeah yeah um yeah so harry takes the felix felices and again pure comedy um i don't really have anything to say about these sequences of scenes because they're so funny 
Um, like Harry <laughs> running into Slughorn. Well, so like first off, Hermione and Ron are like, we know Slughorn's schedule. Like he'll be in his office by this time. And Harry's like, bet I'm gonna go to Hagrid's. And they're like, yeah. what? <laughs> he's like, I just have a really good feeling about going to Hagrid's. <laughs> and then he walks past these people and he's like, hi. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> and then yeah. he runs into Slughorn down at the greenhouses. And it's, like, again, pure comedy. Slughorn's taking the venomous tentacular leaves. And Mm -hmm. Harry, he's like, wait, Harry, how did you get out of the castle? And he's like, "Uh, I walked out the front door. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's the, like... He's like, Harry, I can't let you, like, walk around on your own. Yeah, by yourself. he's like, well, then by all means, Professor, come with me. And, well, no, the my favorite part, I think, is Slughorn's like, Harry! And Harry's like, Sir! Yeah. So, this is all really uh. funny. Um, there are a few, like, differences. Obviously, like, Harry isn't supposed to take the whole potion because he has to give the rest to Ron, Hermione, and Ginny for the Battle of the Astronomy Tower. Um, and Slughorn's not supposed to be... So, they, like, flip things. Like, in, in the first scene... Um, Slughorn, or in the movie, they show Slughorn stealing the leaves from the greenhouse. But really, like, Sprout is giving them to him for uh, potions class, presumably. And then they show Slughorn asking to take take Aragog's venom. But it's, like, the reverse. He actually, like, steals the venom for his own good. Um, Well, also, like, in the book, we know that Harry's going to Hagrid's because... Hagrid invited yeah. Harry to Aragog's funeral, and that's his excuse that he gives to Slughorn when yeah. Slughorn's like, why are you out and about? And he's like, oh, Hagrid's like, I'm going to a funeral, basically. <laughs> but in the movie, it's just like, oh, so serendipitous. i so lucky that like <laughs> this was happening down at Hagrid's hut this night that Harry just happened to go down there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, and then I have another note about Harry acting drunk with Felicity's, which is kind of, like, completes the trio all being drunk at some point in this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's just what I wanted to watch in my Harry Potter movies. (laughs) So then we see Fang, and he's so cute. Um, And Aragog looks so small. Right? Aragog's supposed to be so much bigger. Aragog's supposed to be, like huge like the size that he is in this is like what i imagine like his children are yeah no like that's about the size of the children because they're like jumping on the car and i feel like they're comparable to that size but aragog was like freaking huge yeah he's supposed to be like at least twice as big yeah and then we have the like pincers scene not to mention the pincers and then we have the slughorn like Aragog, king of the arachnids. <laughs> Your body will decay. Yeah. Your spirit lingers on. <laughs> Actually, though, a lot of that, I, I always kind of thought that that was, like, dumb movie lines, but a lot of that is what Slughorn says. <laughs> well, also, there's that scene where, like, he's taking the venom and the leg just falls off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. oh poor Hagrid. <laughs> and then um, also Hagrid is like not in this movie at all. Yeah, he's also supposed to be like devastated. Oh, because like take he doesn't care of magical creatures too. 
Yeah. Or are you talking about? Eric well, Bob? I was talking about like at the funeral, yeah. but he's also supposed to be dead. like he's supposed to be like blubbering, and I feel like he's not. He's like, he was my best friend. Like I'll miss him a lot. Gosh dang it! You know, like he doesn't seem like <laughs> yeah. that torn up about it. Yeah, um, and Aragog dying is a bit of a reminder about like that's who Riddle blamed the chamber mm. on. Like, oh, the chamber, the diary, like, we're getting all of these, like, reminders Callbacks. of Riddle things, yeah. like, earlier in the series. So then it cuts to Haggard and Slughorn drunk. <laughs> Is there drunk. a theme? Actually drunk on alcohol. <laughs> um, singing a song, which they do, like, in the book, they sing Odo the Hero. Yeah. Um... And then Hagrid just like passes out. <laughs> He's well, like clunks backwards. In the book, Harry's just like sitting there, like kind of watching them drink, and he notices that like they're running out of wine, so he starts like refilling the wine bottles. Again, another scene of somebody getting somebody else drunk <laughs> on purpose for yeah. their own devious needs. I'm yeah. looking at you, Dumbledore. <laughs> um and yeah, in this, and remember in the book, there's like Harry's talking about like how he's just gonna like let them talk, like he's not gonna interject, mm-hmm. like he's just gonna let them do their thing. And then when Hagrid passes out, is when he like approaches when Slughorn and him have this like heart to heart. And the whole story of the fish <laughs> is book is not book canon. Sorry, is all movie. Yes. Francis the fish. Yes. Which like From is a lily flower. Weird. I don't really fully understand the need of it. Like Yeah. I think it's just to like bring up like Lily, you know. Yeah. Um, but the like what Harry says is like from what I remember fairly close to the book, you know, like using mm-hmm. like you have to be brave for my mother, like and he gets like overly he's like, Do you wanna hear her last words? And Slughorn's yeah. like, Whoa. Yeah, like the and he's like this the reason I survived. Because like not everybody knows that. And so he's yeah. like, The reason I survived was for her love. Like she sacrificed me. She sacrificed Like you owe it to me. her. Yeah, and then he's like, I am the chosen one, like I will have to end this and like you giving me this memory, like will will honor help my that. mother's memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like a smart way to do it. Like we know that Slughorn cared for Lily, so Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And um, so Slughorn's like and we talk I talked about this in the first one, but this scene is like a very well acted, in my opinion, by I forget his name, but the man who plays Slughorn. Um because like you really yeah, you really, like, feel the struggle between, like, he wants to do this for Lily, this woman that, like, mm-hmm. he cared about a lot, but, like, he's so ashamed of what he did, and, like, when he gives Harry the memory, he's like, don't think too badly of me, like, when you see this Harry. Like, you don't yeah. know what he was like back then. Yeah. And so then it cuts to, right to Dumbledore and Harry, like, pouring the yeah. memory into the pensive which is actually like pretty accurate because harry ends up going straight to dumbledore because he's so excited well because because harry he, was like dumbledore was like giving him some shit throughout this book of like have you gotten the memory yet harry like yeah. you don't like this is the last thing we need he's and like, so I'm harry's like you yeah harry's like super worried about getting this memory so he like as soon as he gets it he's like i got 
like I have to show Dumbledore that I did. Yeah. Well, he like he thinks Dumbledore's traveling, and so the the fat lady actually like doesn't let him in the into the common room. She's like mad that he's waking her up, and she's like, "Oh no, password changed at midnight. Like you'll have to take that up with the headmaster." And he's like, "Well, the headmaster's traveling." Yeah. And then nearly headless Nick floats by, and he's like, "No, Dumbledore's got back." And Harry's like, "Okay, see ya." And the, <laughs> the fat lady's like, "I was kidding. Like it wasn't changed." <laughs> <laughs> but so he does they do like see the see the memory that night mm-hmm. and uh, so we see the real memory we see the conversation about horcruxes and then we see the ring so we know at this point people who have read the book I mean I guess you already know this if you've read the book but like seeing the ring it's like oh we know that he's already made one at this point mm-hmm. um, and he's mainly just asking about what happens to the soul if you do it again? Yeah. That's, like, the main yeah. purpose of this conversation. Yeah, and, like, wouldn't it be, like, stronger to do yeah. it more times? Um, and you get that number, which is, like, the, the clear thing. And then, yeah. so after this, um, Harry and Dumbledore actually have, like, in the book, have a really long and, like, super informative conversation which i added to our list of like ones we should should break down the Mm -hmm. chapter because it's almost a whole chapter um where they talk about like what each horcrux was what the other ones could be and like this is the most information harry gets regarding horcruxes it is basically everything he has to go on for next year like when dumbledore's gone this is like where harry gets the information that allows them it's not a ton of information but it's all concentrated in this one part and like i think it'd be really fun to to go through and break that down um of course you don't get any of that in the movie nope (laughs) um yeah there's the focus on the ring like you said when they talk about murder um Oh, and the one, like, converse, the part of the conversation that we do get in the movie is, like, Dumbledore kind of, like, stares at Harry when he says about how magic leaves traces, and this kind of implies that, like, Dumbledore is just now figuring out that Harry could be a horcrux, um, but we know that's not really the case. Um, yeah. We know he's suspected that for a while, um, especially given, like, seeing the memories with Snape later in Seven. Yep. Speaking of Snape, I believe the next scene that we have is Dumbledore and Snape. Oh, because Harry, like, shows up and Dumbledore, right? Okay. Yeah, and Snape is like, have you ever considered that you, like, asked too much of me? Yeah. And Dumbledore is like, I don't care. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I guess at this point... We have no clue what they're talking about because I can't really think of another thing that they would be talking about. Besides like, unless him they're just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, saying that you. Like, if I'm a new viewer, like, mm-hmm. I don't have a plausible, like, something else that they could be talking about, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so you're just kind of confused. And then Harry, like, shows up and he overhears this conversation in the movie. Mm hmm. And so. This is actually, like, it's, like, kind of the next scene after seeing the final memory. Um, But in the book, there's, like, 
a large amount of time in between before they go to find the next Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not like immediately. <laughs> um, you know, we have like the final Quidditch match, Harry's detentions, um, just hanging out, some nice happy times. Yeah, there's also a conversation where Harry's like, promise you'll take me next time. Yeah. And Dumbledore is like, I'll take you if you promise me that, like, you'll do everything I ask if mm-hmm. the situation arises. Whereas in this, it's just kind of like, well, Harry just shows up to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing that we skip is the, like, conversation with Trelawney that Harry has. Mm-hmm. So as he's, like, rushing to meet Dumbledore, he runs into Trelawney um and she has just heard draco in the room of requirement celebrating and so harry's all like interested in that he is first gonna like bring her to see dumbledore um and then things kind of get like she kind of he kind of forgets to talk to dumbledore about this because dumbledore's like okay we're gonna go get a horcrux like go back to the common room and get your cloak and stuff so he does tell Ron Hermione and that's why he like puts them like on guard yeah well Trelawney's also like shuffling with tarot cards right yes is that the scene I think it's it's either this scene or it's like one a, a little bit before yeah um, where it's like the lightning keeps, struck tower yeah she keeps like pulling the lightning struck tower yeah. or something like that um which is foreshadowing um but yeah, Harry shows up to leave with Dumbledore and Okay. Like so Are you talking about aberrating? No, I have this I have a note before this. So there's okay. a line where Harry I I forget the context of this, but Harry says, You still look the same to me, sir. Which is that like a meta joke to being like that Dumbledore was oh. recast? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> um i oh i can't remember what the context it's, of it dumbledore was, says something but, about it's when they're having the conversation that's like if i tell you to run run if i tell you to hide mm. hide and 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 harry says something i don't know about something probably with his hero complex and dumbledore's like i'm an old man like whatever and Harry's yeah. like, well, you still look the same to me <laughs> that's funny i didn't pick <laughs> like, up on that <laughs> i like when you said that i was like but like it's a different per- <laughs> different person. Interact with um, this face blind. <laughs> He's an old man. Yeah, but yeah, no. The next thing I have a note about is the apparition. Which, okay, let's say they just apparate out and nothing was out of it. I'd be like, okay, like they're just yeah. breaking the rules. But how they have a line where Harry's like, I didn't think that we could operate. And Dumbledore's like, there are some perks to being me. It's like, why even like, no, either don't do it or just do it and have us like yeah. not question it. You yeah. know, if you're going to disregard the rule, just disregard the rule. I think it's like they, they thought that they could get away with that because like there's basis for it in the book where like Dumbledore lifts the apparition bin on the great hall for apparition lessons which totally left out of the movie um which is fine I guess but like yeah I agree with you just like own the fact that you're breaking the rules and don't talk about it or just don't break the rules 
Yeah. But they're it supposed just, like, to... It's just, like, so weird to me that they even bring it up. Yeah. They're supposed to walk to Hogsmeade, which allows Madame Rosemary to see them, um, and then, like, be roped into this whole thing where she, like, gives them the brooms to come back and, like, she's alerted Malfoy that Dumbledore has left and that Dumbledore's returning. Okay. So then the next thing I have is about the lake. I don't know if you have more about, like, getting into the cave and everything um i said this in the first one but i love the shot of them on like the rock in front of the Mm -hmm. cliffs with the waves i think it looks really cool i think the cave in general is a pretty good set again i kind of like talked about this in the first um episode that we did on the part one of the movie um but i also have a note here that is it is sure it sure is lucky that harry and dumbledore do this one and it's not left up to the golden trio because the whole like dumbledore sensing the magic yeah. with the blood and the like only like two people can go yeah. yeah like him finding the boat and like only two people can go on the boat and like Ooh. drinking the potion yeah it's supposed to be like only one person can go on the boat well it's like a person and like a half person yeah he, think, he like speculates that harry doesn't count as a full person because he's like a minor and Voldemort yeah. wouldn't like see him as a threat so i wonder if like the whole trio i guess they weren't minors at that point though yeah because it was after harry's birthday so but they yeah were all... like the golden trio would never have been able to do this like no. it takes such an intimate knowledge of magic and like seeing traces of magic yeah. which is something and we, then, like, like don't understand even like dumbledore thinking of the cave i yeah. like don't think that they like, would have done that and i think it took him years to find the cave like yeah um, like, this is definitely the most well-protected and the most, like, secretive. Yeah. Which is super Because, like, ironic, one is in Gringotts, like, one is in Hogwarts, one is by Voldemort's side. Yeah, and, like, the diary the Malfoys had, like... Yeah. And, like, it's, it's really ironic that it's the most well-protected because it's, like, it was the first one that was, like, taken. Yeah. Um, so I think, like... I don't know, because they kind of get, like, a cheat code with having Dumbledore here. I guess they, like, that's why, like, having it taken, like, makes that they still have to, like, find it and do all of that yeah. work otherwise. I mean, honestly, them finding the real locket was easier than, like, them finding the fake locket. Yes, for <laughs> you sure. You know? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, when they're going across the lake, they, like, are supposed to see the bodies in there and know there's inferior, and they, like, talk about it, and Dumbledore says, like, the only way we can defeat them is with fire, like, warmth and light, um, so fire, but this is something that, like, Harry forgets in the book, obviously, and also in the movie, um, and just kind of starts, like, stupefying them. And, like, punching them. Like, like, he he literally physically, like, elbows one of them. Um, True. The potion, I believe, is supposed to be emerald. Yes. Um, which I think would have looked cooler. Yeah, because I think it's just called, like, emerald potion. Yeah. Like, in every, no like, reference it to it, because yeah. we don't know what the actual potion is. But it is supposed to cause, like, despair and, like... Which I think is interesting, because, like, that doesn't seem like something that Voldemort would value as, like... Mm. terrible you know yeah, i guess like he probably sees your... it as a weakness though mm, like to other people yeah yeah 
So from what I remember, the drinking of the potion is a little bit different in the book. Like, I feel like Dumbledore gets through, like, a couple Yeah, he like, gets, like, halfway through without... It. Before he really starts to, like, break down. Before Harry has to, like, force feed him. Yeah, and then also, like, his reaction in the movies is kind of confusing to me. Because he, like, first off, it, like, immediately hits him. Mm-hmm. And, like, he recoils like he's in pain, which from what I understand is like, you're not supposed to feel like you're in pain. Like you're just supposed to like be reliving your worst memory basically. And like, I understand that like you would be crying and like on the floor if you're reliving your worst memory, but Dumbledore is like, like just like the immediate like drinking of the potion. He's like stumbling around. Like he's in like physical pain, Yeah, which I don't think is what happens in the book. It's not. And then also what really bothered me is like after the last sip, he's like fine. Like he asked for water, but he's like all of a sudden like not experiencing any of the symptoms. And that's like not how it goes in the book. Like Dumbledore's pretty like out of it. Like when Harry's trying to get him water and when the inferior start, like there's something that snaps out of him, like snaps him out of it when the inferior like really come in but like yeah he's just like dazed in the movie yeah and the you movie know, he's, he's just like, oh, like down can i just have some water like i'm a little thirsty yeah well also so harry goes we see him take a goblet he gives it to dumbledore and dumbledore's like oh i'm fine now can i just have some water yeah. and then harry goes back up and the bowl is empty like it was not empty it wasn't when empty he took before. that last yeah. scoop like yeah. what um <laughs> okay so then with the fury Harry doesn't, I'm pretty sure he doesn't actually fall in the lake in the, in In the the book. book. I think that like the inferiors start crawling up the island and he's trying to ward them off and he's like clearly being overpowered and then Dumbledore does the fire. Um, Yeah. I mean, I have a little jump scare there. Yeah. Oh my God. It gets me every time. (laughs) Yes. And like Dumbledore kind of like begging to Harry and like this whole scene is like really heartbreaking And then I have a note here about, like, the lighting in the cave and how it's kind of this, like, ominous kind of, like, rotating Mm. ball of light, which casts, like, the lighting really ominously on both Harry and Dumbledore. And then when Harry, like, reaches into the water, the light, like, descends into the water and Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, shit. Something's about to go down. Yeah. Um, But then they get out of there pretty quickly. Like... Yeah, after the fire happens. I do have another note just about, like, the editing of this. So, like, the Inferi grabs Harry's wrist, and he, like, recoils back. And as he's, like, scooting backwards, it's like, cut, 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 cut. Mm. And I'm like, I don't really under, I don't, I didn't love that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's very, like, jarring. Yeah, and then the inferior look like the baby Voldemort's. Like, they all kind of have that same, like, large head, small, frail body thing going on. Um, And then, again, I have a note here. Like, I don't think the trio would have been able to handle all of the inferior if this were to happen to the three of them. Like, I have full faith in, like, Hermione's magic ability, but, like, Dumbledore is, like, on another level. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Okay. So we're back at the castle. They go directly back to the castle instead of stopping in Hogsmeade. Yeah, and there's a scene of McGonagall saying, students, go back to your houses. And I'm like, do you mean common rooms by any chance, <laughs> McGonagall? Um, we see all of the Death Eaters come out of the Vanishing Cabinet. 
Bellatrix is not supposed to be here. And Bellatrix isn't wearing a mask when the other two yeah. Death Eaters yeah. are. It's like, oh, we just, I mean, I understand. Like, you pay Helena Bottom Carter. Like, you want her face to be seen, but come on. But then just, like, don't give any of them masks. Like, yeah, and know. then the next scene, the Death Eaters aren't wearing the masks when they're up in, like, the astronomy yeah. tower or Dumbledore's office or wherever this happens. It's like we know that they're, that they are the Death Eaters because Helena Bottom Carter's with them. Like, you, Yeah, like, they I don't, don't need the masks as well. Yeah. And um, they just apparate back to the school again. <laughs> um, Draco is wearing his suit again. Well, he's also, so he's in the hospital wing. Yeah. And he and gets he out of like bed and his, he just like sits up. It's like yeah. really kind of creepy. He like, like puts he's possessed. his ass. And he puts, you like see his feet like hit the ground. Like. Yeah. And then he's not in his pajamas anymore and he's in a suit because he got to yeah. dress up for the occasion. <laughs> um. So Dumbledore, when they arrive, is supposed to body bind. He he first, I think, tells Harry, the same as in the movie, like to go get Snape. But then he's supposed to body bind Harry under his invisibility cloak. Um, like I said, they just skip through the whole battle. Um, the Death Eaters kind of just walk right up there. Um, and the Dark Mark was supposed to be at the top of the tower before to lure them there. Mm-hmm. But I think Bellatrix casts it, like, after Dumbledore dies. And, yeah, I don't have anything else about, like, the actual killing of Dumbledore. I don't know if you have anything on that. So, I have a note here that says, This is when Draco becomes the master of the Elder Wand. Wow, such a satisfactory scene to watch. Like... <laughs> Um, and then I have a note here that says, I do really feel bad for Snape in this moment, which is like really hard for me to do, but just kind of like the look in his face and Dumbledore is like, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is done well, like, like Alan Rickman acts that well where he's like, like you can tell, I don't I feel like you can tell that he's, like, trying to just, like, totally show no emotion. And, like, that's, like, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to see that he's trying to show no emotion, which is kind of meta. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Dumbledore, like, pleading for Snape to Death. kill him. <laughs> I also have a note here that, like, I really don't understand the point of multiple Death Eaters coming and, like, getting Death Eaters into the castle at all because yeah. Draco was supposed to be the one to kill him and they're not like like I just don't I don't understand it like is it supposed to be like in case Draco doesn't like one of you's there but like Snape's already there so they could just He's have Snape do like bow. <laughs> yeah I just I really don't understand why they're there at all yeah and then Bellatrix causes mayhem in the Great Hall, and, like, the scene of Draco watching the Great Hall get destroyed is also, I think, really heartbreaking, because he's, yeah. like, this is the end of, like, my childhood, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, through, they're, like, running through the woods. Um, yeah, I don't get why they leave through the forest, and then, like, Hagrid's hut is on the other side of the forest. Yeah, I was like, what trees are they going through? But I yeah. guess you have to go through a forest to get to Hagrid's hut. Um why the don't they just go changing. back through the vanishing cabinet? Um, yeah, that's a good point. So then, like, Harry's chasing after them, and he's like, fight back, 
fight back. That's and he's Snape. supposed to have run through a whole battle at this point. Just yeah. Um, and then so then um, Harry tries to jump Sambra on Snape, and Snape's like, "How dare you use my own spells against me? I am mm-hmm. the Half Blood Prince." And it's like, it's, it's not. Like, the movie plays it up like it's this huge reveal. Like, it's supposed to be so dramatic, right? Snape is, like, standing, towering over Harry. He's like, I am the Half-Blood Prince. It's like when Iron Man says, like, I am Iron Man, you know? But it's, like, kind of... It comes off as silly because there's absolutely no setup to this at all. Yeah. The Half-Blood Prince is said once, I think, previous to this... Because Ginny's like, who's the Half-Blood Prince? And yeah. she's like, says it right here, property of the Half-Blood. So I guess twice. Um, but, like, Hermione isn't trying to figure out who this person is. Like, she doesn't go through, like, the articles she does, and find Prince. Yeah, she does, like, mention being curious. Yeah. Um, there's no, like, Snape asking for Harry's textbooks, which mm-hmm. is kind of, like, another setup of this. We see, there's no, like the memory of the Marauders and, like, Levacorpus being cast mm-hmm. is also kind of another setup for Snape being the Half-Blood Prince. So it, like, comes out of nowhere, and it, like, still... They still try to play it off as this big reveal when they've done none of the setup for it to be a big reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Bellatrix tries to attack Harry at one point before this, and then Snape says, like, he belongs to the Dark Lord, and Helena Bonham Carter makes a really funny face. Um... <laughs> Fanny's supposed to be inside when Hagrid's hut catches on yeah, fire. Yeah, Hagrid's not seen when the hut is cut. Yeah. Like, where's Hagrid at this moment in time? Yeah. Um, and so then when they get back up to the school, like, the whole school is not supposed to be outside. Um, like, when Harry, like, Ginny's there, and then when Harry and Ginny get to the hospital wing after, like, Harry, like, takes the locket from Dumbledore and whatever, like, they have to tell people that Dumbledore died. Like, they have to tell, like... Ron, Hermione, Remus, Bill, like those people, that Dumbledore's dead. Um, so that's a difference, but I guess in replacement of the funeral, we get like the wands up moment. Um, I love that image. I know, it's so good. It's just like heartbreaking. I know. <laughs> um, I love it so much, I have a tattoo of it. <laughs> you do. I also love how it like. I think it was really smart to have, like, how the light, like, breaks up the dark yeah. mark. I just, like, I think it's this moment, there's, like, not really any dialogue, but I think it's just so beautiful. Like, Harry mm-hmm. kind of, like, caressing Dumbledore's face and, like, taking the locket from him and, like, seeing the faces of, like, McGonagall and then the students all. And, like, yeah. Madame, no, not Madame Pence, Madame Pomfrey. I just think that it's, like, really beautiful. And honestly, like, that makes me more emotional than, like, the actual scene of, like, Dumbledore dying. Like, the emotion of, like, McGonagall, like, pointing her wand up to the sky and then how everybody just kind of does it, like, in solidarity to, like, mourn this person that, whether they, like, knew him personally or not, was, like, such an, like, had such an impact on their lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So yeah, we get the funerals cut out and there's that scene in Dumbledore's office with Harry and McGonagall and the Elder Wand is just on his desk mm-hmm. and I'm like, Harry, like that's the Elder Wand, just take it. Yeah, so I have a note here that's like Ginny and Harry don't even date in this movie, which we talked about before and then I'm so sad that they didn't have the funeral, but like I get it 
Like it would have yeah. just been like a time suck and and like a ton of actors. Yeah, yeah. You like it would just be too much. Um, and then Harry just kind of like brushing McGonagall off in that scene in the office is like really heartbreaking. McGonagall is like, if you need anybody to talk to, and he just like walks away from her, and then McGonagall's like, you know, like he really cared for you, and then he just leaves. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then there's the scene of Harry, Ron, and Hermione up in the tower. Interjection. Okay. Harry and Hermione. Ron just like sitting 10 yards away. <laughs> yes. Like what? I, and he doesn't have any lines in this scene at all. Like I no. paid attention. He says nothing. He just like, he joins them later. He like walks over to them. To watch Fox. Yeah. But he doesn't say anything. It's so weird. Yeah. And like at one point they're like talking about him. Yeah. Hermione has a great line, though, when she says, like, I've always admired your courage, Harry, but sometimes you can be really thick. And mm. I think Hermione has a lot of great lines that, like, kind of sum up, like, Harry really well or, like, the series really well. Yeah. Um, usually when she's telling him not to do something dumb. <laughs> and I thought that was a good one. Yeah, there's also a line that Harry says, and he says, it's always Snape. Or it was always, it was Snape. always Snape. I was like, yeah. Always. Always. How interesting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I will say the ending of this movie is like really pretty beautiful. I think that the endings of these movies are generally pretty cheesy. And like this one is cheesy. The combo is cheesy. But like the fox flying around, like the just the background, like setting of this is so like the scenery is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then like the silhouetted shot of like the three of them and Harry being like, I've never really noticed how beautiful this place is. Kind of like him saying goodbye to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a pretty beautiful scene. Yeah. All right. Ooh. End scene. Yep. That's a wrap. (sighs) Okay. Final thoughts about this movie as a whole. Okay. Um, so like I said earlier, and like I said many times, I do think it's the best standalone movie in the series. It's entertaining. The storylines aren't too complex. Even if you don't fully know what a Horcrux is, like you don't get confused until the next movie about it. You know, like if you're just watching the movies you don't it doesn't like hinder you in this movie um not saying that's a good thing but as a standalone movie um you just understand that like they're trying to learn more about Voldemort but like the main plot points are very easy to grasp like it's love stories it's Draco being up to something it's like Dumbledore dying you know that kind of stuff that like is more like palatable I think is the word I used earlier um Obviously, the movie leaves out a ton of intricacies of the book that do the setup for Deathly Hallows. So I think, like, while this movie on its own is fine, it, like, fucks you over for Deathly Hallows. Cuts a ton of memories, like I said. Harry and Dumbledore's conversations are a lot less detailed. You hear less about what is going on with the Order or the War, and you're more just focused on, like, within Hogwarts. Um, On top of that, you don't hear about the Ministry stuff. I don't even know if you know that... I guess maybe at the beginning you see on the newspaper that there's a new minister also this movie does Ginny dirty not even like I already talked a ton about their relationship but like she also just like has a lot of good lines in this book um and like really kind of comes into her own as like a sassy like strong woman um and like someone that like Harry enjoys having around and so it's just kind of sad 
um, that she's not in it. In, yeah. In it well. One of my favorite things in the book, like of the Harry, Ginny, like Ron hanging out with, like in Hermione dynamic, is um, when like Jenny brings up that like somebody asked her if Harry had like a tattoo of like a hippogriff or something. Hippogriff. Yeah. And she was like, and Harry's like, well, what did you tell them? She's like, I told them it was a like hun- like a dragon or something. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't tell them where it was or like something like. Yeah. Whoa. And then she's like, I told him Ron had like a pygmy pup or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Um oh and my last note is don't get me started on the burrow scene. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think I agree with a lot of what you said about like it kind of succeeding as a standalone movie and being entertaining, but it like almost failing in every other aspect um like it's not a good sequel to order of the phoenix and it's not Mm -hmm. a good prequel to deathly hallows so like yeah it really kind of fails in those aspects um yeah i the burrow is a thing that happened um kind of another big thought I had about the movie as a whole i've talked about it as well kind of this like dynamic of it's trying to be like a teenage romance movie but also like the sixth movie in the harry potter series like it's trying to be funny but also like um mm. deal with these like serious themes and it kind of like doesn't know what yeah. it is yeah um but i mean those like teenage romance and those funny scenes are what make it so entertaining and like a favorite I think of like Harry Potter fans Mm -hmm. just purely based on the entertainment value that it has, which kind of works in its favor of like pulling the wool over our eyes for how much it feels as like a (laughs) Harry Potter movie, if that makes sense. So like the dynamic of those two things pulling in opposite directions, both like harm the movie and help the movie at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I do really like the slughorn scenes. Like, I think that's something that surprised me the most and that I got out of it on this watch that I don't think I have in previous watches is, like, how close a lot of the slughorn scenes are to the book. Um, and I think that, like, slughorn and the scenes that revolve around him are, like, the main drive to tell the actual story of the Half-Blood Prince you know, yeah. like the meat of the Voldemort story in the Half Blood Prince, as opposed to the memories. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I think I disliked it more on like while dissecting it <laughs> than I do like when I just generally watch it, which I think is the opposite of a lot of the other movies. Like I think I enjoy dissecting the other ones a little bit more and like finding all mm. these moments, but for this one, just because of how purely entertaining it is, and not di- like by not dissecting it. Like, by taking notes and paying more attention, I enjoyed it less, if that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense, I think. That's fair. (laughs) Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. 
The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck, or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body, then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. Pop quiz. So what's your favorite scene in the movie? This is going to be really difficult for me. But yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, we also <laughs> forgot to post this on any social media, so we will post on our Facebook group just to get people's answers. I'm sorry we can't include your answers <laughs> on the podcast, though. Um, yeah, my favorite scene, I think, is the hospital scene. Like, I don't know mm. why I think it's funny. Um, I just, like, I think it's pretty good humor, and I don't know. It always makes me laugh. Um so I would, I would say the hospital wing scene after Ron is poisoned, and then as like a serious scene follow up, I would say the like wands up after Dumbledore's death. Yeah, I was gonna pick one of each too because I've talked a lot about how these are like two different movies basically, like vying for which one is more important, like the lighthearted mm-hmm. funny stuff and the serious dark stuff. So I'm gonna pick one of each, just like you did. Harry and Slughorn when he's has Felix Felicis and just like Harry in general when he has Felix Felicis is like <laughs> I remember the first time I watched that and just like cracking up laughing like thinking yeah. it was so funny and then also I'm going to pick the wands up moment it's mm-hmm. just so beautiful and like while it is beautiful, it's, like, fairly understated as well. Like, I really mm-hmm. like how the light at the end of their wands isn't, like, super bright. Like, I really like how it's kind of, like, dim and still, like, a sad moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think it's so beautiful. And that image is just so beautiful to me. Yeah. Okay. So... You can catch us again in two weeks um, on your favorite podcast platform. So you gotta you gotta back to back weeks with these two episodes, but we'll be back to normal um, next time. And make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. Yeah, and then you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to join our Facebook group, and we promise we'll do better at posting our pop quiz questions for y'all to answer, um, our Facebook group is Wizard Studies Podcast Group. Um, and then if you want to become a patron of ours, you can head to patreon.com and then search for Wizard Studies Podcast and... Um, We have some different tiers on there, and Audrey mentioned picking a chapter to talk about out of Half-Blood Prince, the the one where kind of Dumbledore explains Horcruxes and a lot of information comes from him to Harry. So that's referring to our chapter breakdowns that we do on Patreon that are only available to our exceeds expectation level patrons and up. So that's $5 a month in higher yeah all right as always thank you so much for listening and remember just do your best we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot